here we are, bottom of the Smash Mountain. And today, I'm so happy to be joined once again by Ventus Official. Ignore the remarkable Matt at the bottom of his side of the camera that you see on the video. But for those of you who are listening and are confused about that, technically this podcast is on YouTube. So if you want to see me, if you want to see Ventus, you can. Otherwise, remarkable Matt with an extra T, that's where you can find him on Twitter. But Ventus, thank you so much for joining me. Anytime. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So have you listened to The Yard? What do you think about the fact that the Ludwig Mogul Moves Machine is on the podcasting realm? Oh, dude, I love The Yard. I It is such a good podcast. Like every every week I'm like, oh, yes, another Yard episode. There's about three or four podcasts I listen to that I'm like beaning for another episode. I signed up for their Patreon. Like what? Whoa, whoa! You're we're recording. I I don't know if I made that clear enough, but you know that there's somebody who we both know that has a little bit of a I don't want to say ongoing beef with Ludwig, but maybe just perhaps a little bit of uh, jealousy, or that might not even be the right way to phrase it anymore. Not that this is a frequent point of discussion, but JD of the Wannabes podcast has said in times past. How come Ludwig gets to be in that spot? And he understands why, of course, but you are a friend to JD and yet you're a patron on the yard. Yeah. But I think that, I think that JD also knows that like JD recognizes that's like an internal thing for him. Like, I think he recognizes Ludwig is actually pretty dope. Um, And plus I feel like he's, He's shedding that a lot, especially compared to when the wannabes first started. So mm-hmm. I don't yes. think I, I don't think it's really that big of a I don't feel like I'm betraying anyone or anything like that. Plus, I feel like it would be more unhealthy if I like unless there was actual personal conflict, then maybe. But like, I feel like it'd be more unhealthy if I didn't do things I was interested in because of something like that. Well, I'm glad that you feel like they're in a good spot there between you, between JD, between Ludwig to hop on the Patreon and get into the Discord. I'm sure you're really fiending for the Discord access as well. Get a little bit more of a behind the scenes. Not that it's truly behind the scenes, but you're in that Discord, right? Like, nope, you're not in the Discord. Don't even care about the Discord, honestly. Interesting. Like Interesting. I only, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna steal this for, because I'm gonna talk to. Speaking of uh, JD and the wannabes, I'm gonna steal this uh, for the Patreon because this is what converted me. Um, it was the extra hour of the show because I listened to the, the Yard and then I was like, damn, I want to listen to more. And then they <laughs> plugged it, and then I was like, all right, I'm, that's what I'm gonna do. So that's how they converted me, and I'm gonna. That's a great Patreon reward. So. Gonna steal that an extra hour yeah i mean some of the patreon rewards right now for the wannabes podcast which you can you can definitely go check out patreon.com slash the wannabes if i recall correctly or at least that's close enough to that that's something that i'll look up as we continue here but i am a loyal patron to the wannabes patreon and i think the rewards are pretty sweet an extra hour of jd and wasabi as a patron, as someone who's actually subscribed to the Patreon, I know 
as of now, you're not on the wannabes patron. You're already helping in many other ways, which I greatly appreciate on their behalf. We don't have them here to talk about it, but I do feel like an extra hour. I don't know if that's the move. I don't know if it's a one-to-one comparison. I don't think it's the move for them right now, just because I don't know if they have the actual bandwidth and time to do an extra hour. But if they ever did, then I think that would definitely be a move. Mm-hmm. I think or the extra... have like a more casual hour or extra 30 minutes or something. Yeah, casual hour. That's that's the way to put it. Well, I'm glad that you're getting an extra hour of The Yard. That does sound fun just because, like you, I've been listening to The Yard and I have found it to be an enjoyable experience thus far. I didn't listen to their episode today where apparently Aiden and Ludwig had some some vitamins that they may have edibled going oh, into really? the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I've not seen that, but that'll be that'll that's, be interesting. That sounds like it would be a lot of fun. Okay, so you're enjoying the yard. The most popular melee podcast? No, that's not true. It's not specifically centered around melee. It just happens to be with people who have been in the melee scene, are in the melee scene, and so everybody looks around and goes like melee podcasts or not melee podcasts, but the obvious answer is no. Yeah, I definitely would not consider it a melee podcast. I think if it was, it would definitely, I would, it would definitely hurt it if it was just because I think that it, they bring it back to melee in a healthy way. Like melee is definitely ingrained in the podcast, but that's because it's a part of their lives. And I think that that is really, I think even for melee, it's best that they don't make it a melee podcast, even if they're trying to get interest for melee. I I think it's perfect as it is now. It's not supposed to be about melee, but it gets it somehow comes up every episode. And even if they try to brush over, it's like I was at a Smash event and I was like, "Hey, you brought up melee," or yeah. they'll actually bring up a real story. Like I loved Aiden's story about coming across somebody that he knew on unranked where they won and dunned him. And he got real mad, found them on the Discord and said, you won and dunned me. We're doing a rematch right now in front of the whole Discord for Pacific Northwest or whatever it was and won the best of three or won the best of five and was like, don't you dare ever won and done me again, click. Like those kind of stories are fun to hear. Intermixed with everything else. Very crass, very crude podcast, but overall I do like it. Yeah, don't listen to that with children in the car for sure. Um <laughs> But yeah, no, I mean, Melee is super, definitely very heavily ingrained in that podcast. It's not, and they don't try to avoid it, but it's just also not what they're about fully. Um, and I think it's cool. I think it's, it's, there's a great balance there. And in the realm of all things Melee, no matter what content is being made around it, content that barely involves melee, just to the point where people are coming in for different reasons and they're going, why do they keep talking about melee? And then they just go find a turn down for Walt video or another podcast like the wannabes and they get into it. And now they're melee people. And I wonder, I dropped my phone. I wonder how many people are going to ultimately come out of either the yard or just watching Ludwig's Twitch, his stream that will say, I am... (laughs) a Ludwig melee baby <laughs> or whatever because there will definitely be people for Slippy the the tadpoles I've heard that word being tossed around here and there but I wonder how many people are actually coming in or are going to come in because of watching Ludwig's stream I haven't heard a 
people talking about that just yet, but I haven't interviewed everybody in the melee community. Not yet. I think it's, I think it's a cycle where you will have people who you it's it's getting exposed to melee over and over again. I don't think it's going to be someone who watches one stream of either Ludwig doing a tournament or them talking about it on the yard. But I think it happening multiple times and then you constant exposure and then that could affect the YouTube recommendations or something like that, where now it's getting shown to you on YouTube. I think that is more of the general process. There'll definitely be like some people who are like, oh, wow, I watched this one event and now I want to do on Ludwig stream and now I want to watch Melee or get into it. But I think the constant exposure to it in that way of like both it being explained and kind of babying it through um, in the tournament Twitch streams and then also just like them talking about how it affected their lives, I think is that is going to be like how people walk their way into Melee. But I think it's it's not like an overnight thing. I think it'll take like it's it could be like a six month process or who knows. But it, I think that's how you'll convert people over. Yeah, it takes it just takes time. So enough about the yard. Let's not bury the lead. This is something that I'll definitely be putting onto the onto the Twitter post once this episode goes live. Is there was a bit of a Fox Gang first meetup, not even a reunion. We never met in person before until this very past weekend. I was down in Virginia, Fairfax County, shout outs, visiting a friend. So I brought my whole family down. We stayed at their house. And over the weekend, I was going, Ventus, I want to meet up with you because we discovered that we were going to be very close to each other, geographically speaking, and going, let's make this happen. And we were able to, Saturday night, PJ Skadoos. So when I came out of my car and I was like, yo, is that Ventus official? And then I go for the hug. Like, what are the thoughts going through your head in that moment? Well, one, first I was like walking and I'm like, all right, where are they? Right. And so then I was like, oh, and then it was like, oh, this is so cool. Cause it's like, definitely, you're probably the first person who I've met out like from Melee not doing a production thing like even when i met walt or when we and junebug and all them like when we were doing that thing um i don't know like at that point i was already so good friends with walt that i already felt like i knew him very well and that was super cool and then and meeting junebug and like that whole crew for all that um but you were the first person who i met from like the content side of things where it was like really brought through the melee community so i was like oh man this is sick like it, i don't know it's cool it's cool to like meet people especially since i mean i don't know about you but i've also i've never really gone to any melee locals or anything like that either so this, it was my first time ever meeting people that i knew online strictly into melee and it was cool also, you're very much like you are online in person. So because you also never know like what that's going to be like. And I remember thinking like, oh, this feels pretty much exactly the same, but just cooler because we're in person. That's how I felt. 
Yeah, I do try to present myself fairly similarly to how I present myself in real life, just because I don't want there to be a severe disconnect between the two. I guess there used to be a meta in the early online days where you come across a lot more extreme and abrasive or just very outgoing. But then in real life, it's like, well, yeah. However, I was very happy to see you. So like my, my thought process was this is the first person who I've seen who I met through doing all of this. I wouldn't have known about Juventus unless I was getting real deep into the podcasting game and the content game, the melee game. And so when we first decided to try to make the make the meetup happen, I was just going, this will be like the oh, this will be this will be like the first meetup. And so similarly to you, I was just going, this is super, super cool. It is hopefully the first of many to come because there are going to be events, hopefully, that happen that I'll be able to go to, perhaps seeing you again, other people. But yeah, in regards to your locals question, I've only gone to one because there's only been one in Lancaster County, but there's supposed to be another one this upcoming Saturday, except I have a friend's wedding that I have to go to. So, okay, have to is a strong word. I want to go. It's just that, you know, like, I know you only get married once, but... There might be something cool that happens at this melee tournament. Oh. I'm right. joking. Okay. I will go to the wedding. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. You're like you're like watching melee on your phone. Like nice wave shine. Um, yeah, I just want to get to the hecking game. So, so I am excited to excited to talk about this though because I took my friend with me who I was visiting so I didn't want to do this too much while we were there but what ended up happening was what I was hoping to mostly avoid which is talk about what you and I are into which is melee and esports and stuff like that and Joel who that that's the name of my friend that's who was with us at PJ Skidoo's was was great about asking questions and stuff and afterwards he said oh no it was really cool to hear about stuff that you're doing because I don't normally talk about it with him too much, but that was what ended up happening. We just talked about melee pretty much the whole time. Well, I mean, I feel like, so from my perspective, I was like, okay, one, I'm just curious about, um, I was curious about Joel's perspective as someone who is completely outside of melee. Um, and two, I know that, it can be weird when you're talking to your friends about the things that you do in a certain way. So I was like, no, I, I got I got to update Joel on on Cypher over here, like the the podcast, because it's like, I don't know, it can come off like braggy if you're if you're like talking about your yourself and all the stuff you do too much. So when I when I'm in that situation, I'm like, oh, let me let me inform their friend so that way it's like more authentic you know um because i mean i think it's cool to like hype people up like that too and also if i was in my friends or if i was in joel's situation i'd kind of like want to know the hidden like the the behind the scenes of like somebody else's lens through it you know yeah, you're trying to put a certain crossover into the knowledge that he has, which is minimal. Joel is not a big gaming person, so he's actually been on the podcast before. I forgot to tell you this. We talked about football when he was on, 
So I was just like, it's a melee podcast, but we're talking football today. <laughs> Hopefully I'll have him back on actually a few times this upcoming football season. But it was very cool of you. I did notice, I was like, Ventus is going hard for me. And I know he's doing it because he's trying to more or less be that person who's like saying, don't you know how cool your friend is or what? I mean, yeah, yeah you get it. But I appreciate that because you know that my move, or at least you should know that my move by now is like, it's a mix of low key, slightly outgoing. I just never really, even now, want to see myself as being the guy who's like, let's talk about me <laughs> and let's try to advance me stuff all the time, like upward stonks. So it's nice to have somebody do that on your behalf, even if it's semi-organic. I would say it was done semi-organically. I would say it was organic. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't organic from my perspective, but it was organic from your perspective because it's not, if you told me to gas you up, then it's not organic. But True. if I'm choosing to gas you up, there's it's that's organic i'm choosing to gas you up like it was a conscious choice but it's it's not like you were like yo tell tell joel how cool i am you know <laughs> so that's how i see it <laughs> i consider it organic okay so we should talk a little bit about what happened afterwards because we talked for a little it wasn't quite an hour because we had to get going and i was like Ventus, it was great to see you, but it's time for us to go. So we bounced, and you decided to stay. I was like, oh, you're not leaving. Uh, you were like, yeah, I'm staying. I Ubered, so I'll, uh, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> so I want to hear about what happened afterwards because you messaged me later that night and was like, I have a story to tell. I have a big story to tell. So please, what happened at PJ Skidoo's when Joel and I left? Okay, so some backstory. When we first walked into the bar um and there's we're we're getting our ids checked and there's a guy i don't know if you remember him but he was like oh these guys are all like high schoolers they're all like 18 or something um because we all look pretty young for our respective ages and i was like i could see why he sees that but but man it wasn't a problem i just it, we just ignore him um, pretty yeah, much. I don't remember him saying that. I just remember thinking, look, just because we're shorter than most of you, does, it's just purely coincidental. And a bouncer has to be tall. But anyway. But you're, well, it wasn't the bouncer. It was the one of the dudes at the bar who was sitting down. I could care um, less about what somebody like that thinks of me. Sorry, go ahead. You heard it, not me, but you heard it. Yeah. Also, you're not that short, I don't think. Um, but anyway, so then... Um, Jesse and Joel leave and I'm like, all right, I'm going to Uber home because I Ubered there because I was like, we're going to a bar. So, you know, want to make sure I get home safe. Also, I heard it was going to storm. It did. Um, mm. So I was like, all right, I'm going to order some drinks at the bar and then I'm going to wait for my Uber. And so then I order a drink. I'm talking to the bartender and I notice immediately, especially when I'm at the bar, that this bar is like a bar out of Stardew Valley. Like all the bartenders know all the customers very, very well. Like I work at a restaurant and we have regulars, but not that intimate. I mean, like they were making plans with the customers to do things outside of work as they're working. And originally I was like, oh, maybe they know them 
in, they were friends first, but this was that wasn't the case. Like they just like that's just how this bar was like the customer base. The regulars were very close with the bartenders and it was a majority of them. So I was talking to one of the bartenders about that. Um, and so we were going on. And then uh, the same guy who asked if we were, he's like, oh, you guys are 18. I overhear him and he's like, the bartender's like, oh, how are you getting home? Blah, blah, blah. And so he's asking other people for rides. Um, and I'm like, and I'm like a few seats over, but there's no one in between us. So I was like, hey, dude, if you show me that you're you're ubering i'll pay for your uber um and that'll be like my random act of kindness for the day um I and so can't believe you put yourself in that spot well so some backstory um the first girl i ever went on a date with worked at a buffalo wild wings um i literally like wrote my never ask out a server at a restaurant by the way like it's never a good move um it it's just like asking somebody out at the gym you just don't do it i feel like the gym is worse but i just think that servers are paid to be nice to you and also if you do it like you have to realize that if it does not go successfully you probably just should not go back to that restaurant again um but I did it, wrote my number on like the back of the check or something, and it worked out. And so that was the first time, that was my first ever date. Um, and we didn't end up continue dating, but we still were like very good friends. So I was at that bar. Um, and I know from her that they had a customer come in at one point, and he said that he was um, going to Uber home, and he didn't. And he drove and he crashed like into a pole, literally like a mile away from the restaurant and like died. So not to get too deep, but it was so it was like a personal thing that I remember like very, I don't know, it was like a story that resonated with me. So I also have like a personal thing where it's like, I want to make sure people are like getting home safe because bad things can happen. Um, not that I blame anybody in that situation, but it's just like, you know, if you can do something, you know, might as well do it. So I'm like, back to the story. That's some just personal context of why I'm also more interested in this. That so makes I'm like, more okay. sense. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll pay for your Uber and I have cash too. So I'm like, I literally like give you the cash as long as I just see you do it. And at first he's like, he's like super cool. He's like, oh, dude, that's great. Blah, blah, blah. And he's pretty drunk. And I'm like, okay, cool. Um, but then he's like, oh, yeah, do you want to hang out or anything? And I'm like, oh, no, I can't. I don't even live here. Uh, and then he starts getting hostile, not violently, but he's like calling me names and stuff. And I don't really care. Like, I'm just talking to the other bartender. And he's also calling me names to like the other customers. And they're sort of defending me. Um, but I just like, all right, I'm just not going to engage in this. I don't really care. Um, I'm like, I was like weirdly stoic about the whole situation. And I was like, cause I've worked at a restaurant and I'm like, okay, he's just drunk. I'm just going to let him be him. And I'm just going to like not engage with him and then hope it fizzles out. Um, but he's complaining and the bar is closing soon ish. I asked them earlier 
um, it was like getting close to 12 and they're like, yeah, we're probably going to close at 12 today because we don't, we're not getting a lot of customers. So I'm like, so I'm like, cool. And then at some point I'm talking to the bartender because it's like, oh, you're, you're fine. You're trying to do a cool thing. He can just get like this, blah, blah, blah. And then when the, he, she goes up to, and talks to the other bartender and is like, yeah, like, I just hope he doesn't start like throwing things. And I'm like, like. I'm like throwing things. Is this like a thing that happens? Is he like known to be violent? Um, so I'm like, all right, I'm going to go to the bathroom because we're like kind of becoming the last people in here and I want to like disappear. So I go to the bathroom, come back out and then I see him. He's like kind of fighting with the bouncer. So I'm like, he's, he's getting to an altercation. So I'm like, all right. I'm going to dip back into the bathroom because now like now I'm actually in danger here. Like he is drunk and hostile. So I'm like in the bathroom back against the wall in case he like tries to find, seek me out. Um, and I hear him. I hear things like knocking over in the background and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe what's happening right now. Um, and so then I wait like five minutes, come back out. And I see there are like stools knocked over and he's gone and they're like also they gave me a free beer because they like threw away my beer because they thought i left but i was just hiding um and they're like oh yeah no um here you can have a beer on the house and they had to call the police on him so they had to like escort him out through the police because <laughs> i tried to pay for his uber um and they're telling me that uh, he is known to not be the nicest person at times, but and they they tried to they didn't want to call the police, but at that point there is at that point there was nothing that could be done, um, and so then I had my beer and then I had to get escorted by security from the restaurant to my Uber, and I was like this was a wild story like I I was just trying to like pay for this dude's Uber and have a beer while I wait for my own Uber. Um, so yeah, that was a, it was a crazy time. Um, <laughs> what do you tell your not... Uber in that situation? Like, come on, where were you? <laughs> I mean, I felt pretty safe, uh, honestly, because even during the, like the beginning part of the altercation, I think the bartenders are really good at like, like one bartender was next to me and there's another like in front of me. And so they're kind of like creating a shield, even though the bartender next to me was like on the opposite side of the dude. Um, but it was more, I don't know. I, like, I didn't really feel like I was in danger really because I just didn't like, I, I just didn't care. And I was like, he's really drunk with their security. It wasn't until they're like throwing things. I was like, all right. Um, but I didn't to the Uber driver. I, I didn't really talk about it until like a little bit um, in, but it was just it was just I don't know. It was just wild. Free beer, though. Yeah. And the people, the bartenders were super cool about it. They're 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 cool. And it, it was kind of it was just weird. It was a very um one for the book. Crazy experience. Yeah, it's a good story. I don't know. I, I I somehow find myself in these situations recently, where, oh man, yeah, 
it's been a common occurrence where I'm like, why am I randomly in this situation? Yeah, when I heard about this and I say to I say to Jen, my wife, who she was obviously not fiending for me to be in that spot. But I was like, I mean, can I get a one time for just to specifically be in something like that just to know who I am on the inside? Does the brave part come out or does the scared part come out? Do I fight or do I flight? Because I haven't had something like that happen to me before other than as like, oh, I think I was 11. I was minding my own business going to the bathroom in a in a stall in a public bathroom and somebody tried to get inside the stall for about five seconds and then just moved on, <laughs> like left. But I was just like, why is this a thing? I'm like, what, why? So other than that, haven't had something super like outrageous happen to me, like what you had to go through on Saturday night. So I'm glad that yeah. people were super nice about it and that the police came promptly, that you were able to get into your Uber, get home, and that you still feel like that meeting with me in the future may not result in your imminent danger. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know how I, like, what I would do different in that situation. Um, I mean, obviously, if I knew it was going to be hostile, I wouldn't have offered to pay for an Uber. But, like, I don't know. Even then, though, I I felt it was like I felt very weirdly calm throughout the entire situation, which isn't how I thought I would feel in that situation. It wasn't until I like heard things being like thrown around and stuff that I was like, oh, OK, now there's danger. Um, and I've been told, especially in like a bar situation, you really don't want to like get into fights with people because anything can happen and it's just not a good thing, especially when things are being thrown. Yeah, um, there's glass. <laughs> yeah. So, but in this case, I think he literally like just like knocked over some stools and stuff, but apparently he had a, ha a past of throwing things. So I'm like, um, but I don't know. It was one of those things where I was like, wow, I am really... Do you mind if I swear on this? Oh, no, not at all. You're good. I was just like, man, I because he's like he's like talking shit about me. And I was like, I really just don't give a fuck. Like and I was like, it is kind of cool to like have this level of like not caring. Um, but also he wasn't I felt like he wasn't antagonizing me to me. He was like antagonizing me to other people. And like, I just didn't care. Like, so that was, it was cool to be like, oh, okay. Um, I can be pretty calm in this scenario. Um, but it was also just like, I don't know. How did I find myself here? When somebody comes down into your area and is like, let's meet at a bar where people throw stuff sometimes. That's probably part of it. Yeah, I mean, but it was fun. I mean, it was still... See, I got two stories out of it now. So Walt was like, dude, you're so like, that's sick. You got you got another story. And I'm like, yeah, that's true. Good for a podcast. Oh, yes, absolutely. I appreciate you sharing to to wait to share the story until you and I got together on the line here, if you will. But there are some other things that we have to talk about because there are a few 
hot topic things in Melee that I didn't necessarily prepare you with, but we're going to go in nice and easy, despite the title. We have Hot Nuns debuting in the very near future on the Golden Guardians Melee channel. Do you, hot Nuns? Can you think oh. about what Hot Nuns is off the top of your head? Yeah, but doesn't Team Liquid also do that with Hot Wands? Yeah, except are they doing it right now? Do you see them releasing They're new They're bringing episodes? it back, yeah. No, Hbox and uh, TL, they said they're bringing it back. Like they're, yeah, they're already but filmed. have you seen it? Didn't one just come out recently with Zane, like this week? If Speaking did, of like a Golden Guardians TL crossover. That's a nice um, crossover, but let me look up. Let me, let me, fact, check, let me fact check myself here yes. so I don't seem like... Yes, I'm I'm also Oh my gosh. There it is. Hot ones. With when did it Zane. come out? Team Liquid one day ago, according to my pop up the YouTube search on my phone. So, yeah, so I was gonna be all like, Well they haven't put out an episode in forever and it's on them. It's not on Golden Guardians to be like trying not to step on any toes because okay. Obviously, Hot Ones is ripping off Hot Ones, the the, the grandfather show. Then we have Hot Ones, and now we're going to get Hot Nuns. And I am super, super excited about it regardless. There's going to be a bunch of Canadian players and personalities that Nun is going to meet up with in Canada, I'm assuming, and get on this chicken wing bonanza i don't know how to describe it but it's going to be super cool like i'm super cool and excited kind of stuff about this you know why because if you've ever watched none play a melee set you know that the man does not show a ton of emotions it's almost as if he's filing his taxes while he does stomp 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 knee and the crowd is going crazy and he's just like How do you how do you not just like smile and grin at yourself for being like yeah I'm the baddest? <laughs> so Plus I think they could I think like, none can handle the heat. I I think they could have like Wizzy Fan do an episode with like Wizzy Fan and Wiz Robe. Um, but I actually think it's sick that they're both doing it in a weird way because for the season finales of both of them, whoever decides to do this, they could alternate. You get you just get hbox to do none or none to have hbox and they could always like up the ante where it's like oh, okay you're on hot ones and they just try to like make it extra spicy because to like outdo the host so i think there could actually be like a really cool competitive like friendly competition thing going on like a cool rivalry that i think would actually help like both of them so that actually makes me more excited because I'm like, oh, now that I, the more I think about it, the cooler, especially if they're like having banter and taking shots between shows and they're referencing each other all the time. I think that would be like, I think it'd be sick. I, I like the idea of that. I also like the idea of you don't know who you're going to get as the host as well as you don't know who you're going to get as the guest. So let's say Moki is an easy example Wait, they might not be in the same part of Canada. So excuse me for assuming that this would be an automatic thing. It's probably not. <clears throat> but what if you had Bond interviewing Moki? And so everybody in the comments are like, you chose the wrong nun. You should have had WYSIFAN interview Moki. You should have had none interview Moki. 
and maybe there'll be in the maybe there will be a, uh, like more personalities that none somehow comes up with i'm not sure but either way if they actually do get moki side note or sidebar they gotta get the chipmunk that moki has made friends with onto the hot nuns show as well yeah that would be i i don't know i'm excited i think they have a lot it's definitely playing around with the personalities i think it is cool also i just think i'm just so curious on how how they're gonna do it um but I, also i don't think there's anything wrong with using like doing the same ideas as other people too if you're like adding your own thing to it and just by being different like people i think that that counts so yeah no i mean again everybody's starting off by taking sean evans and the hot one show from complex networks or no that's not the right word but the point is, is that it's pretty much the Sean Evans thing that's happening. That's actually, speaking of, Sean Evans is one of the inspirations or, or people that I look up to in terms of conducting interviews just because he picks very interesting questions. There are compilations on YouTube of guests being like, that is an interesting question. Or they say, that's a good question. Or they say, you do your research. Like, have you watched a lot of Hot Ones? Yes, and I think I've seen that exact compilation. Yes. Like, it's very... so good. Yeah, they are because he does. He does. He asks very, he asks very interesting questions that are not frequently asked of people. But I mean, people say the same thing about you. So, Sparingly. I mean, the first thing, uh, the first thing I heard about you from Walt was, is like, wow, he really does his research. He asked interesting questions. That was like my first impression. Before that, I was like, oh, you're on that podcast with the guy who's in every Twitch chat that I seem to be in or youtube channel <laughs> the <laughs> greatest the greatest among us story arc of all time cypher is in all of these streams and i'm like i'm really not <laughs> yeah it's coincidentally we just tuned in at the same time because i'm not even in all of them i'm not even that many to be honest with you shout outs to um, raccoons who is in a lot of streams Sh shout outs ludwig seven however you want to phrase it if you happen to be listening and Firepuff 12. Let's go, Firepuff 12. Let's go. He's, he's everywhere. I see him all over the place. Um, but yeah. So now let's talk about something that has conquered the Twitter, that has conquered Melee Twitter in particular. Oh, that's right. We're going to talk about those tweets. Let me pull up the thread here. Let me read to you the first tweet, and then we might just do our reactions tweet by tweet and then offer some closing thoughts. That would probably be the best way to do it. This is from at Parapapa underscore gang. Why Smash Summit's voting system is dog shit and the community needs to stop supporting it. Most of your favorite Smash influencers aren't saying anything about it because they're in cahoots with the ops who run the event. So fuck it. I'm going to say it all since no one else will. And this is tweet one of nine. Your oh, thoughts, yeah. Ventus? Um, well, the first thing is there's, I don't think there's any grand conspiracy of Smash influencers um, being behind the scenes like, oh, yeah, we think the summit voting is bullshit, but we're just not saying anything because we benefit. Like, I don't think there's any, any like 
<laughs> anything like that. Um, and I, I think that the summit, I love the summit, like how you get in just because I love the fact that people make such cool campaigns. Like for me, one of the best parts about summit isn't even like the event it's people campaigning for their events, but that's my initial reaction. My initial reaction is saying to myself, I think that between having an event that does everything that Beyond the Summit does for the Smash events, whether it's their Invitational for Melee or if it's their Invitational for Ultimate, I would rather have that system be there as compared to it not being there at all. Because somebody said this, and I can't give credit to them because I can't remember who tweeted it, but they said... Y'all really think that $150,000 without Summit are just going to somehow magically end up in other TOs' hands? Question mark. And that is a good way to put it because the honest truth of it is is that Summit creates hype from a very organic internal starting point where you want to get in because of the hype, because of the history, because it's an invitational. It makes you feel special and warm inside and you get to play against the best competitors in the world if it's ultimate or if it's melee and then you either get invited in or you have to campaign and campaigns mean content it's a small picture of what i'm hoping to see for ranked whenever ranked comes out on slippy they're going to be campaigns there's going to be streams and be videos of people trying really hard to make it to the top 1000 to the top 500 and so on and so on the road to number one and Summit is not like that to a T because it is mostly a popularity contest in regards to the campaigns themselves. However, anything can happen. And we saw that especially on the Melee side. And I love that because there are literal streams and videos and tweets and all that kind of stuff related to when the cutoff times were. Do you realize how rare that is in an esports space where even if there's no esport happening and it's just like a cutoff time for a vote that people are tuning into streams and watching along and getting hype and there's no gameplay. That is very hard to do. We know what the viewership is like for a podcast or for even for a video essay. It's not always going to necessarily be as good as the competition itself, the live heat streams of awesome, awesome melee or semi-par kind of okay ultimate. So that is my initial reaction. Okay. Are we going to go through the tweets or do you just want my overall? Uh, we can go through the tweets. We don't have to spend as much time on each one. The intro or the opening thoughts are obviously important. So let's go into the second tweet. First off, the people who run Summit are not the Smash community. You're giving your money to individuals who are not... Sorry, individuals, by the way, is another word, but I'm replacing it with individuals. You can read the original thread if you want to know. Who are not in the Smash community instead of supporting actual TOs and event organizers within our scene. Y'all give thousands of money, money symbols, to BTS instead of our own infrastructure. Two of nine. Okay. So this is where I think I have a more thought-out take about this, because I was thinking about this when I was grocery shopping today. Um, and I think there there's two layers to it. Um, first, I think that Melee and Smash is a scene where it's very 
accessible to get into and do things and whether that's making content toing etc etc and i think in a lot of games and titles this is possible to do but there's also official things being run so it makes it either harder like there is a hard actual barrier of entry that you have to do or there's just less examples of people doing it themselves where in melee and i assume ultimate there's a lot of examples of people going from nothing and working on things and so it makes this it makes this feel of like this very grassroots kind of unprofessional ish community or professional but like all within in terms of like there's not like a hard barrier of entry to do things which is cool and i think it goes to these like it makes it accessible to run tournaments um but in terms of like things like summit i think that is a more official type tournament and i don't think there's anything wrong with official type tournaments i think that those things can coexist and they're not competing with melee and also like summit as far as i understand you could say they're not in the smash community but then you could also say they're not in the rocket league community or they're not a part of they're just a part of the tournament organizing community if anything right like they're professional tos that is that is what they do and then they hire people um i think like aiden said like they hire a lot of people in the smash community but i think that especially if you have experience toing and things like that i think having something like summit to graduate to where you can actually make a decent amount of money hopefully um i think would be cool like i i think that having a having like a pathway up and especially monetarily to have an endpoint where you can get paid well by summit even though their thing is technically just tournament organizing as far as i know i think is super healthy i think the problem that in other esports title is there's not a ladder system like there's not a way to bridging that gap is really hard because it's harder to run events yourself but i think that having being able to run events yourself and having something as official as summit is so sick and like actually being able to get paid well is awesome like i think tos don't get paid enough anyway so I think it's awesome to have like a silver lining or like an to me i think summit is probably one of the best gigs you could get as someone in the smash community or places to work at um and i think that have i think we need more summits and less or, and not less other tournaments but like have have a way to get there or find ways to monetize tournaments more but we have smash has a middle ground and i think that his tweet was basically like oh you need to show love to like smaller tournaments and stuff where it's like i think chia had on pandit chia um had some really good takes on this on how to make tournaments more profitable just by like raising the prize um raising admissions not even by that much but it would make a big impact on um prize pools and stuff but just in general like i don't think i think you smash is in an opportunity to have the best of both worlds where no other title i can think of is and i feel like he, his point of view is that having something like summit which is technically 
in a fit like their jobs are to be tournament organizers not technically smash tournament organizers is taking away from the community but i really think that it's actually a great opportunity for the community and i think toing is regardless of what game you're in is sick so like even if it like helps contribute to the rocket league community it's like or the cs community or something like that it's still tournament organizers oh. doing things for their games and i don't think that it's like i don't really feel like it's driving money out of the scene really that much because if summit didn't exist it's like a lot of the money wouldn't go into the pockets of the smashers who are working there anyway so it's a bit long-winded and kind of like complicated answer but that's i i don't think he had bad intentions i just don't i don't think that he i think he sees them as opposing forces when i don't think they have to be i will also to close on this particular tweet is to point y'all in the direction of at hot underscore bid on Twitter, where you'll find a pinned tweet. The name you could also look up is Ken Chen. I wrote about Summit in my history with Smash. Great read. It's not that long. It's not even as long as your normal twit longer. And basically lays out hot bids, like esports history in general, but also as it pertains to Smash and more or less willing Summits to happen and Summit has had a lot of tournaments in Melee's history that we all look back on fondly. You're telling me that a system like Beyond the Summit putting on events and raising prize pools as well as their own slice of the pie and however you want to argue about who should get what, I don't think that coming from the perspective of nobody in that company is involved with smash that that is not true just straight up so let's move on to the next tweet <clears throat> beyond the summit is a production company that hosts events for various games mainly dota all they do for smash is host two to three summits a year when you donate money when you donate money to bts to vote for your fave player to get in 50 percent or more goes to bts while only half goes to the prize pool. And I think that there is a picture here to go along with the tweet where you can see several different t-shirts and lineup of products where it says 50% of profits go to event goals, AKA to the prize pool. So as, as Beyond the Summit does on a fairly clear level of saying, there's a certain part of that's that of this that's going to go to the prize pool, but then there's a certain part of this that's going to go to making this run. <clears throat> and I think to open up on this one myself, there's a few things that once again are wrong. Main stage is a great example of how that's not just a summit. Main stage is an open bracket event put on by Beyond the Summit, so that kind of just is a little extra thing that people may or may not want to know. And then also. I would say this is part of what we've been alluding to or talking about already, but I don't think that asking an event or a team or a producing company to run with less resources is going to mean that they're going to be happy to come back and run an event for you again in the future. And we know what it's like to have them in the scene now doing 
summit events, invitationals, and also things like main stage for Melee, for Ultimate. By the way, they're going to have a bracket for Project Plus, for P Plus, which is awesome. And you're telling me that they are not at least somewhat vested in the true spirit of the community? I don't think that's true. Yeah, I mean, I think that... I think that... BTS technically is like an outside company, right? But like the, in the same way that Golden Guardians is an outside company or Panda Global is an outside company or like any any team that sponsors players is an outside company. Um, but I think that they're them willing to put in resources and do things for Smash is still, it's still good for the community. Like, and also, I don't know what the actual profit margins are of items because I don't know how many items get actually claimed or shipped out. But if it is 50% to prize pool and 50% to players and those items are getting shipped out, assume those are almost razor thin margins um, because that is a lot to be like... Mar I don't know how what they're pricing things at, but if they're pricing them at like a normal rate or even a little bit of a premium, cutting half the profit and putting it into prize pools is for like merch and stuff. If they're actually shipping that out, is like I I I don't know enough about the topic to to like speak intelligently on this. But if that is the case, where it's their merch and they're shipping it out, like they're probably only sustainable that way because they're relying on people not to claim all the things that are being shipped out because that's actually an insane oh that that would create insane margins if they're actually giving 50 percent of the profit away to prize pool um is how i see that let's move on to the next tweet so in case it's not clear already Smash Summit is primarily a cash cow for BTS than it is a financial benefit to the Smash community. The most we get from these events is high viewership slash hype for one weekend. Imagine if we distributed this money across multiple, multiple majors a year. Tweet four out of nine. And to that I say, when you raise $150,000 specifically to fund help fund tournament organizers, other smaller events, regional sized events, that kind of stuff. Then you may talk more about that. But for now, I'm just going to go ahead and press one to assume that doing something like that is extremely challenging. You have to have people be willing to support an event for a reason. And it is hard to sell support your TOs, like financially speaking. It's easy for venue fees, like, hey, $5 to play in bracket or $10 to play in bracket, whatever it ends up being. But like uh, uh, Wisely put this best at Wisely on Twitter saying the reason why <laughs> the reason why things like this are a little bit detached from reality is because everybody would go nuts if a local TO or a regional TO tried to raise their venue fee in order to be able to make their pro make a profit off of the event in order to be able to sustain themselves and to do it full time, to do it part time, heck, to just go green instead of being in the red. But all the players would just put up too much of a fuss. 
I put a lot of extra words in Wisely's mouth, but basically the part that I was trying to paraphrase from Wisely was just watch people go nuts when a venue fee is raised by a regional TO. Well, my, I, that's interesting because I totally took, took that in a very different direction, um, which is, for, from my perspective, I think that the, the first thing is I don't think that there's a melee fans are like, all right, I have $500 or 300 or smash fans. It's like, all right, I have $500 a year to spend on smash. And like, that is my smash budget. One, I just don't think that any of us are that good at budgeting. Um, and second, like just marketing principles, principally principles would lead me to believe that okay you spend money on one event you're more likely to spend money across smash now because you've already like broken that barrier um so that could mean like okay i bought something from bts so now i can like break that barrier of buying some austin melee merch or something like that um so that was my first thing but the second thing is that bts they are he also said they are a production company right and they make they produce an insanely good product so even if that money was being spent across smash that doesn't mean that money doesn't always equal product you also have to have the right people in the right places and bts just is really good at producing that type of content they have a vibe and a culture about them that is a mass appeal to that. They're really good at marketing that appeal. They're really good at making skits and like making highly produced content. And like the whole, there's so many different parts of what would go into making a summit or a BTS event that goes very smoothly and, and creates such a good product that it's like people are also paying because if you eliminated summit or BTS from the Smash community and moved it to another game or like moved that money to other tournaments or split it, I still think Melee or Smash in general would take, would be at a loss, not at a, a positive because it is really good marketing for the scene. They just make good products personally. You can just see the proof in the pudding in that regard to what happened and what is happening in the post-Summit world after Mango wins an event. All of a sudden, people are happy again. <laughs> not, to put, not to put too much like happy spin on it. I'm just talking about how like it just makes you want to dive into the Melee stuff, that sort of thing. It's inspiring. Like You get that because of an event being run well and streamed well produced well producing good competition and giving a set in grand finals that we'll all remember forever if we were there in person like echo storm got to be very jealous or if you were able to watch live like i was even there i'm like i was there watching live but i was there kind of i was so watched it live i was there <laughs> it's it's not to be underestimated or understated how when you have an event that takes 
okay, half of what money is raised around the idea of voting players in and having a merch shop for you to buy merch with and then using the little bit of the sales there, a little bit of the profits to go towards the prize pool to vote your favorite players in, that sort of thing. You're getting something that's really good in return. I don't know that a better return, like you're saying, is splitting it across multiple events or or dozens of events. Okay, let's move on. Second, the money that goes to the Smash community is only going to 16 players. Y'all individuals donate tens of thousands of money for 16 MFs, referring to motherfuckers, of course, to go on a paid weekend vacation and make several months to a year's worth of salary instead of, again, supporting our infrastructure. So now there's a problem with the players who are members of the community, by the way, I will note. There's a problem with the players collecting prize pool money for once in their lives that is actually a significant amount as compared to $6 and a candle. All right. I mean, I want to give him, I want to give the poster of this more the benefit of the doubt. True, 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 this. true. I don't, I don't, I don't want to assume that he thinks the players are bad for accepting that money as much as he's talking to the consumer of like, this is like, you're paying for this when you could be spending your money more wisely. Cause I don't, I don't feel like he specifically was calling out players as much as it, from his point of view, it seems ridiculous that we're, money is being put in this way when it could be spent in better ways. That's how I'm going to take it. Cause I, I do want to give this person more the benefit of the doubt in this, even th- that might sound weird, but I, like his post didn't seem overly malicious to players from my, from the way that I took that. Um, but I mean, I, my my this is kind of i think a philosophical difference because for me if i see something that like bts i don't think oh this shouldn't exist so we could spread things out or so we can do that i honestly think that we should just be learning about how use marketing strategies on how bts monetizes because i don't think that the money in melee is like that limited as much as there aren't as incentive incentives to spend like there are on bts because that's a great event or you can make events i think you can i would focus more on making events better at marketing themselves or better at making a profit without kind of like screwing over without like being ridiculous but i just mean like offering good value propositions because that's what bts does they're offering a really good value proposition of like getting your player in to this unique experience that you want to support. Um, and so that that's a great value proposition for somebody. Whereas like there aren't, I can't think of a value proposition in other ways that happens across smash. Like it does, but I just think there's a lot of, I, I don't think it has to be, we take down BTS or, bts is scamming people as much as like 
we should think about how to make tournament other tournaments more profitable for TOs. And then maybe the prize pools will be less for BTS um, because of that. But if, if it is like a limited amount of money in the scene, um, and if it's split that way, I think it's fine. But yeah, I don't know. Does that make does that make any sense? Yeah, kind of. But I also want to move on. <clears throat> okay, sorry. No worries. I am totally rambling on this. No worries. It would be a much more sustainable and reliable for Smashers to use our crowdfunding for events run within our own grassroots community. Matcherino is a thing. New York FGC TOs like Team Spooky, Bum, Yipes, Yipes, etc. have been using locals with $500 pots. TOs need to tap in. This is very specific. I don't know. Matcherino is fine. Can we move on? Lastly, <clears throat> y'all donate all this money for a chance to see a player get into the event. Individuals donating hundreds for somebody who doesn't get to play, LOL. There's no reason for a yearly invitational event with 16 people that needs to have a prize pool that dwarfs majors. I think that Again, I think it just goes back to value proposition. I think that BTS creates a value proposition that is interesting. And I like part of that is you're donating to players that might not get in, but they're also like making marketing campaigns and stuff for it, right? Like the community is getting a lot of that. And then people talking about those marketing campaigns. I mean, look at Nikki England and like or air yingling you just got ratioed um air yingling day july 5th don't forget it's on my calendar for next year to to celebrate air yingling day it, but it, it's just like it i think it they provide my overall take with this just to like i guess boil it down and be a little bit more concise is i think that bts provides a lot of value back into the community that isn't being covered by other places of the community and not that the community isn't doing isn't doing anything i just think they do it in a unique way and also i think that even if you classify bts as somebody who's outside the smash community i don't think there's anything wrong with other companies or brands supporting the community like it's not like amazon is is like coming in and running like their thing it's like beyond the summit is a production thing and they took a risk with melee um and it is i think anybody who gets into smash is taking a risk so i don't want to discourage that because there could be what about red bull like if red bull makes an a, a melee tournament are we going to be like don't give money to red bull if they're funding doing stuff for funding for it um because i think that i i just don't think our i think it brings up a lot of good questions of what we can do to improve the community as a whole outside of it but i don't like how it's i don't like the focus on being why bts is bad but more about what can we learn to make the community better overall and more profitable for other tos and all the effort they put in because it is a very kind of thankless and not people don't get paid as much as they should but 
I think it should be focused more on helping improve others instead of taking BTS down. I like that. Let's move on to the second, the penultimate tweet. And that's only half of the money. The other half is going towards BTS individuals. Hence why it is a scam. It's happening right before y'all's eyes, but you don't recognize because most of y'all are just starting to take high school math classes. This is in regards to Ultimate in particular, so that may be true, but for the Melee folks, come on. The average age is not high school, just just for the record. Yeah, I feel like I've already answered. I've already said my piece on that part too. I just don't think that... I don't think there's anything wrong with supporting a production company that's doing something in Smash just because they don't play the game. Like, they're still contributing to the community. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I don't I don't understand why, like, what there is to demonize. If they're, if they're making, like, gross profit margins and, like, really exploiting, like, it, like, exploiting their company or something and, like, they had shady business practices or whatever, but like, I don't think that them being profitable is any of that. Um, and so I just think that they're like, honestly, I think they're, they're a good example of like, if I was a TO and I wanted to do that professionally, even if I didn't want to do BTS, I think they're a good example of like, wow, like what an insane production slash tournament organizer that I could want to model myself off of. Cause what if there's someone who comes from smash and they do TOing and then they, they just decide they want to TO full time. Um, and then someone in another community is like, Oh, they don't even, they, they come from the smash scene. Like why, why, why are we taking money out of our community? Like, I, I just don't think that these are, I don't think the BTS people are like evil people who we shouldn't be giving our money, quite frankly. I think it's fine because they provide value to the community in a big way that other in a in a way that also other people aren't doing. And if they went away, I don't think that would be filled. Yep. Last tweet to wrap us up here for Parapapa underscore gang. Beyond the Summit has been scamming you cornballs since 2015, and it continues to work because you buy into the hype and spectacle instead of using logic. More top players than the 0.00001%, such as MKLeo, can get rich off of Smash by being good at the game if the system changes. Nine out of nine. To summarize my basic thoughts on this, I'll first of all say to... I already forgot. Uh, it's not Parapapa. It's Parapa. So if I've been saying that wrong this entire time, I do apologize. But you are coming from a place where you see a lot, a lot of money being raised for one event and going, why can that not be spread around when... Let's see. The best way for me to put this is that I think that if you have an event that's raising a lot for itself it means it's succeeding and it's doing well and we're saying that's really cool that's really cool you go do your thing bts it doesn't mean that you look at your own event or look around in your region and say bts is the reason why we're not making as much money or the reason why we're operating at a loss because the truth of the matter is is that that is 
there are a lot of events that are run where it is hard for a profit to be turned. And so you look around and go, well, who's actually succeeding at this? Let's drag them down. I don't agree with that mentality. I always try to think of problems and successes. So failures and successes based off of what I did directly to contribute to that sort of thing. And also to acknowledge what's out of outside of my control to give too much credit to the out of control stuff is bad to give too much credit to yourself. Also bad. You have to have a healthy mix of saying, I can't help what BTS is doing as an event organizer. All I can really do is figure out how I can get to that place because this was more or less alluded to in outbids, hot bids, excuse me, in hot bids, history of himself in the smash community and in esports as a whole the first few summits more or less did not make money that's that was the implication that they were operating at a loss for a little while there so instead of getting discouraged or bts going after evo or going after the big house or after genesis and being like yo you guys suck like they just figured out how to get better and better at it and it's an incremental thing. It seems like every TO who I've talked to always say it's hard at first just because nobody really knows who you are. You have to prove that you're there to stay. You have to be good to people around you and blah, 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 blah. But eventually it becomes what it is, which is either the biggest tournament in the Midwest or in the West Coast or on the East Coast. So if somebody's out there like Parappa or otherwise saying, the reason why my event is not doing well is because there's another really, really big event that's just sucking away all the money and that sucks. I don't, I just don't agree with that. Yeah. And I, my, the, the other thing that, it, the other thing that I think about is that like esports as a whole across titles is really not as profitable as people think. And there's a lot of titles People, esports orgs, are trying to go into the green, most of which are in the red already. And most companies, or a lot of companies, are bleeding money. And so the fact that there is a company that has found a profit, a model that makes them profit, and personally, and this is probably where we differ, I think they do it that is not in a parasitic way. I think that everyone is, it's very transparent where the value propositions are coming from. And even with the voting system, you're still getting things like, um, one, you're, I think you're getting direct like items and stuff, but I don't know enough. Like, oh, I got a t shirt. Yeah. I'm too ignorant to speak specifically on that, but like you're, you're getting so much out of that experience and, and it causes so much content and stuff and content marketing from the scenes, parts of people that you wouldn't see player level ups, content level ups. Um, it contributes. It's so beneficial for the community. And I, like, I just don't think it's parasitic. So I think that's actually awesome that someone has made a profitable model. And I don't think people need to copy it, but I think making it more profitable for for TOs and tournaments and things like that is something that I think should be explored by in various ways. Um, Cause esports is hard to become profitable, at least from what I've seen. Um, 
So it sucks that like people are knocking uh, uh, like a tournament organizer or a production company that has made a profit because it's like it's such a fucking hard thing to do. Like, honestly, at least that's what I from what I've seen, that's that's been the case. Um, if they were actually doing some shady stuff or more like parasitic type stuff, then I might tend to agree. But I don't think that what they're doing is like I don't feel like they're the people their customers are like victims or or anyway i think that people are know what's going on and they're happy to support it yep and if you if you want more transparency if you want to hear more about this kind of stuff there's probably going to be content sometime in the near future by some of these people who are either directly involved with bts or otherwise i think Aiden was saying something about the effective effective like streaming and being like let's talk about this kind of stuff so like in other words, if you truly have concerns, there are people to go hit up on Twitter or just look out on YouTube for the next couple of days. I already saw IBDW posted his reaction to this entire discussion, so you can go watch that. It's 17 minutes long. This podcast will not be 17 minutes long. It will be... Sorry about that. <laughs> it's not your fault. I brought up something that is kind of easy to dunk on and i don't want to necessarily treat it like that but it's just it's just sparking a conversation of is bts truly beneficial to the melee community the answer is yes i don't i don't agree with it being unbeneficial or parasitic i just i'm in the it's a beneficial thing camp and i really like the events that bts has put on so far i i think that there's a lot of value there so having those salaried employees continue to have income the production team and everybody involved who puts on each summit event and then stuff like main stage as well i'm not mad <laughs> I'm, I'm happy that they're getting paid and that they're actually able to make that either a full-time thing or they don't have to do the out of melee work stuff or out of esports work stuff because like you said despite the fact that video games bought like are just such big money cash grab opportunities i mean it's the biggest industry for entertainment right i mean you might know that for a fact but i feel like i've i've heard this that like it's not esports i'm talking about video games in general like video games do better than movies it does better than music it's just like all encompassing kind of a thing and so the esports part of it is weird because you would think, oh, well, then that means it should be super successful. But the winning formula has not been found yet. Maybe we'll get there someday, hopefully soon, so that we can see more people working full time in Melee, in esports in general. But for now, today is not that day. Yeah. And I guess just for me to close things out, um, the other thing is I feel like if you really just look at what the TOs are saying on Twitter. Because if, if the TOs were like, yeah, BTS is kind of screwing us over, then I feel like I, it's more important to like, oh, okay, let's hear about this. But as far as I know, all the TOs that I've seen are like very def defending Beyond the Summit a lot. Um, and I feel like if you want real, like, behind the scenes information at least a lot more than i can give because i'm just more looking at this from a marketing angle um 
I'm sure there's a lot of TOs on Twitter who have voiced their opinions. Um, that would be a good place to, to look. And so we don't have a whole lot more to talk about, except for maybe perhaps what are you going to be doing for the rest of summer here? You are out of school, yes? Yep. Right. So Technically. what are you going to be doing with yourself? Hmm. Well, my dad moves back in soon at the oh, end of the heck. month. So... It's been like three years I've been living alone. So that'll be interesting. Um, I have a wedding to go to, but that's not in October. Really, I don't I don't really have any plans besides getting my house ready and job hunting and stuff like that. Good luck with the job hunt. And I hope that you're able to continue to grow your marketing empire. Please tell the people where they can find you and what services you could potentially offer them. Uh you can follow me on Twitter, Remarkable Matt with three T's, or just type in Ventus Official. My actual handle is Ventus Official, but my at is Remarkable Matt. Um, and I help people in the Smash scene. Well, I, I guess I really just help people with marketing content and specifically specializing with YouTube, but in general. Um, but yeah, if you are, if you have questions about that, feel free to. DM me on Twitter and hopefully I can help you out. Awesome. So once again, thank you for coming on bottom of the smash. Thank you for coming on bottom of the smash mountain with me, Ventus. And I hope that you enjoy the rest of your evening. Let's go ahead and just name, name your favorite projectile melee and then we'll be done. Uh, Sheath needles. Falco laser. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and cut it off there. <laughs>